You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Adam Jocelyn. Hello, it's me. <laughs> Welcome back, Brian McCubbin. Hey guys, who was that guy? And Greg Hectus. I'm back. And David Hall. Hello. Well, this week on the show, the final Unsigned Coach Series drivers find their home. We recap the final race of the iRacing World of Outlaws season and crown a series champion. And is the next-gen cup car worse than it was before? And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So hope to see you there. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com. Use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket. Feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of the car. Drive harder and stay on the limit longer. All right. It looks like we may be done with most of silly season for the Coke series, right? Uh, in Coke news, we had a big dump of new driver signings, starting with Latart Esports. They're returning to the Coke series with two new drivers, Brian Mercurio and Dylan Alt. All right. Yeah, these are the guys who uh, waited to the last day, literally. I mean, they raced at the Coliseum the night that night, and uh, and so the next one up was. Um, Elliot Sadler Esports um, announcing Liam Brotherton and Garrett Maines. Yeah, I would be pretty surprised to not see Garrett join up with, with them. I think the only surprise is that um, Vicente's not with uh, Elliot. Well, wasn't, he wasn't on Elliot Esports last year, you know, the right. you know, technically. And so maybe they just continued that. Now, Liam's been on that team for a long time, or from day one, I believe. Well, so has Garrett. He almost kind of basically started it, right? Yeah. But they're all still secondary teammates with uh, Elliot Esports, right? So also uh, that was announced from Elliot Esports is that um, they're going to be partnering with Next Level Racing for their exclusive sim chassis provider. That's a pretty cool deal. So, um, you know, you wonder if uh, these all these guys uh, on Elliot Sadler Esports are getting uh, free chassis. Uh, for their for their rigs well and the other announcement um, they're partnering with colleague racing and uh, have formed a what they call a driver development program and um, pretty neat that uh, they're tied tied to colleague I read the the release that they put out and trying to get a better understanding of it but I guess it's just a partnership 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Garrett Maines or one of the other uh, Elliott Esports drivers ends up in some kind of development program with Colleg. So are, are we thinking that these guys are going to get real-world uh, Colleg Racing um, developments? Tests, I'm sure. That's pretty exciting. Or opportunities, That's, you know. Maybe put them in like a late model stock or something to try them in that. I mean, how cool is that, that, you know, they're picking up basically, you know, uh, simulation drivers and, uh, you know, they see see they have some potential and are willing to, to uh, give them like a development deal where they can, uh, you know, see if, if their, their skills as a sim driver translates to the real deal. Why not? You know, it's similar enough that that you, you would think that they have a, a solid foundation at least. Well, you've always heard, you know, the top NASCAR teams have, you know, a pipeline, you know, they got a, a development pipeline of drivers in the, you know, that are going to end up in a Hendrick car in the future, you know, or something like that, you know, for a, a team like colleague, you know, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say they're one of those, those power horse teams yet, but they never, they don't really have a driver development program. So this is it, you know, and, and what a great way. Cause Obviously, there's some talent here that can be picked up. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah, well, Colleg's been very strong in the Xfinity series. Um, so uh, they've they've shown that they can they can really perform at least in the Xfinity. Um, the, you know, they're they're really starting to break through in the Cup this year. See see how well they do there. So uh, next up in what might be the least uh, surprising announcement of the season is uh, the 2311 Racing. They're going to hold their two drivers, and why wouldn't you? You have the returning champion, Keegan Leahy, and the rookie of the year, uh, Mitchell DeYoung. And, you know, we call him the rookie, but he's, he's so experienced and so, so well-versed in uh, sim racing that you know, it's hard to call Mitchell DeYoung a rookie. Last he year, made but, the top four. <laughs> well, yeah, he was right. He had a couple wins. He always qualified really high. Even on ovals, he was a good qualifier. So, yeah, so uh, 23, uh, 2311 racing, they're going to they're gonna hold and keep uh, keep Leahy and the young. And Space Station Racing this season for 2022 will be returning with Kyle Peddle and Alan Bowes. Okay, Space Station Racing, a returning team. And they they're kind of at a... Twitter pissing match, which with uh, that David Schildhouse guy, they were, it was kind of interesting to watch from the sideline. I'll have to go look into that. I'm a fan of David's YouTube. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, yeah, they were going at it. Oh, I never heard of Kyle Pedal. Hmm. Get used to the name. He's hot. A hot shoe. Pedal to the metal. And he's a, he's a pilot, I understand. He, he likes that. That's his, for his day job. He's a pilot. That's going to make it a tough schedule. To I was going to say, how do you, how is, <laughs> how do you do that? How is that going to work? I don't know. I hadn't heard of him until recently either. So I'm trying to learn more about Kyle Pedal. But uh, he's on Space Station Racing. Uh, Greg, who's on Mode Media? So the I think one of these has got to be one of the brightest cars in the field when I'm looking at this. Uh, but uh, Mode Media House is uh, brought back with Cody Bias and Mr. Busa, Matt Busa. This is going to be a pretty good uh, tandem here. I, I kind of like, uh, kind of as a design uh, of these cars, I like the way these ones are done. But uh, to have the 75 and 24 car is an interesting uh, number of plates for it, too. Matt Moose is that guy who 
was really about to break through last year and, and, and make it into that elite. Um, he's on the cusp. And so I expect good things from Matt Busa. I love those paints, by the way, that those bright colors. I was going to say, after seeing all these cars revealed and some of the stuff that's been coming out, is the number of plates starting to grow on your mic? I guess I'm already used to it. Uh, I kind of just like look at it now and it's what it's supposed to be. It feels like, doesn't it? It's okay. You know, initially it's just like, God, they keep tearing down all the tradition of NASCAR and here goes another one, you know? Well, I sent you a TikToks earlier of the old NASCAR commercials. Did that bring back any nostalgia to you? Oh yeah. Jimmy Johnson and the giant barbecue. Yeah. I think the change is not that extreme since the number is still large. It's still a part of the icon, right? Whereas you get on something like IMSA and you can't customize the number. You just got to stick it in a little green box. I think the other, like what you're saying there too, David, is they didn't let the teams dictate the size. They made sure that they kept them a giant size, right? Because if the teams had a choice, they'd probably shrink them. So let's talk about the Coke race, the, the clash at the Coliseum. I did watch this race. Um, the the paints, they didn't run their regular paints. They ran like a IROC style paint that really featured the driver's name. Uh, it also featured the team name that they're running for, basically. And uh, I, th- I thought it was a good idea to, to run those paints because it was kind of easier to tell which drivers which, especially on close-up shots. Um, because it's hard to tell with the new sponsorships and everything who's who. So I kind of like the idea of it to get us used to the drivers and, and the names and some of the new names that are out on the track. But uh, it was clean. The initial heats were like single file and fairly, you know, gentleman-like. Uh, but as the, they progressed to the second heat and, and then eventually the last chance qualifier and then the feature, it got progressively worse and worse where I think on the, on the final or uh, the finale, I, I don't know if it was the last race or the one before, but lap one, turn one, the leader's getting dumped, you know? And it was like, people keep getting dumped either inadvertently or, or probably on purpose or both. Um, or, and there was some payback going on too. Like, you know, one guy would get dumped by a guy and then he would go after him. And, and so there was so much of it going on. It was just hard to even keep track of. I mean, there were people getting wrecked that we didn't, we couldn't even cut. They couldn't even cover because, you know, the, the leaders would make it back around to the wreck within six seconds and, and the track would be blocked. And so there were cautions, but there weren't as many cautions as uh, some of the racing we talked about last week. Sounds like typical short track, right? Um, it can be that way even in real life. And those shorter tracks when the only way you can really pass is to shove somebody. Short track with nothing on the line. No, no points on the line. No points. Have you ever seen and how many Casey times Kerwin they, won it. Yeah, have you ever seen how many times they people hit each other at, at uh, Bowman? And it would just, you know, people would miss their breaking point. You really have to break early here or you can overdrive it. So it turns into battle bots pretty much. <laughs> One guy slips, everyone else pounces, you know. It really makes you think what the actual clash is going to be like for the NASCAR Cup guys. Like, I know it's going to be tough because, you know, they don't have very many resources for cars. So are they going to take a conservative when they race it? Or what are they going to do? Um, but I think just having a whole offseason and going into a short track, I don't know if that's a, a great a great uh, 
combination. I think the only way you'll see passing is if somebody can just throw their nose underneath a car and they give them room. I mean, just, just don't see push them out of the way. Yeah, just don't see how how anybody else is going to pass in this race without shoving them, knocking them out of the way. Um, this was a you know this is the first real uh, first race you've seen that was like broadcasted or anything like that at this Coliseum track. So you know it might it might be a and I give you an idea what, what you're going to come to expect coming up in another this weekend. I think Mike, you made a point too. Like, has anyone put any focus on? You know, they just put this track down as a temporary thing. Is it going to last with that many cars going over it, with that many forces on that pavement for what is it for a night, for one night, and practice and all that stuff? Like, there's unknowns to everything on this track. But if the if it works, it's replicatable. Like they could do it in Mexico city. They could go to Paris, they could go to Rome or, you know, different places and, and have exhibition races, uh, in Coliseums cause there are Coliseums in various places. So, um, Rome, <laughs> the big right. I mean, so, if they did it there, but I think that's part of the idea the test uh, to see if it is it possible. Will it be successful? Will people come, you know, that kind of thing. I got to say, the the broadcast was great. Drew Adamson, his team, I mean, I noticed some of their new tricks uh, stuff. It's, it's pretty subtle, but the broadcast this year is going to look really good. He's got a great team with him. Evan uh, is on the call. He has a new partner uh, with him in the booth, Blake McCandless. And Blake uh, just missed the Coke series, um, barely. Um, but he'll be in the booth, apparently, for the year. All right. Well, we have some stats from the Daytona 24 uh, posted by Rob Crouch. He puts them out every season. And this one, I'm a, I, I looked at it and at first I was, I was actually a little disappointed because he does not show the combined stats. It's just the stats for GT3 and the stats for 2-1-7. And so you can look at that and see that there's historic partic- participation in each class. But what it doesn't account for is that a whole class got cut. Oh, that's a good point. Huh? There were three, now there's two. Yeah, so there was a you know a really sizable increase from from about 1100 217s last year to nearly 1600 this year. And the there's a similar increase in the GT3s, but how many of that was because those drivers would have also been running a GT and I I'm pretty sure we think it was an increase because uh because we had the total number of laps, we, we covered it last time, but this exaggerates a little because it doesn't give you the total total numbers. If you look at the club chart, there is um, you can tell still tell that it's very it was very dominated by uh, USA drivers, and also that the strength of field for the top split on the the Saturday 12 p.m. G, GMT split was twice as much as any of the other splits. It was all the way up in six, on the 7,000 range, almost. Whereas the other set around 4,000, 3,000. I found a stat that's fascinating um, on the 217s. And it's the most laps stat, uh, top five teams. And um, so the, the top two is Apex Racing uh, with Berryman and Briant and Johan Yarth, Costantini. We talked about them before. And then, of course, VRS Coanda Simsport. They also had 904 laps. Um, and then the third, fourth, and fifth team, 903, 902, 901. 
But the average lap time is also listed for these teams. So the average lap time over 24 hours, and then how are the teams split? It's amazing. They're one. So the top one is 135.06. Second is 135.09. So they're only separated by three one hundredths of a second in average lap time. And then the third team, 135.2. So they're two tenths off on average lap. But if you're the third team, you're like, okay, how are we going to get to second? We got to pick up two tenths every lap. Yeah, that's a tall order, isn't it? Yeah, and when you run to 24 with no cautions, that if when somebody has that kind of a time advantage and doesn't have any trouble, it's there's just no getting it back. It's amazing well, how tight the it thing is. is. With only the two classes in in the field, it just the the gap and the speed of those two different classes, it made it. Uh, I think it made it of a more clean of a race where you just you know there if if you didn't have any problems, you were going to finish in the top three. Anything after that, it was you were you know you were bound for further finish than that. Cause I think, I think the only team that didn't have problems was the one in ours that, uh, that won it. And the rest of us all relapsed down because of something else. So it's, I think the thing that they need to come up with hopefully by next year is we need to get some proper classing in these so that, you know, you have the different type of um, cars to race against that, you know, are going to make, it tougher to do things because when you're coming up on these GT3s with the, the the 217, it's the speed difference is is way too too much for it to not um, be easy to miss other cars. There is things that happen, but it is a lot less chaotic. The other stat is called a Grand Chelem, and it means pole position, won the race, fastest lap, and led every lap. Led every lap. And there were two teams that did it, Cherokee GP and Steel Horse Racing. That's like, like to even have the fastest lap in the race type thing is, is difficult, uh, just knowing what can go on, right? I mean, you can get a really good draft from a car and, and get a really good, just set one fast lap time if you're on there. But to do it and have all those together, that's, that's, that's nuts. Uh, still and to lead every lap with even when you have to stop, you know, for fuel and yeah. There's some recognizable names in there on the Steel Horse team: Adam Benefil, Nick Ottinger. Yep. So, so basically, what they're saying is they read the last car to either pit on the first stint, or the fact that they were so far ahead that they weren't going to get caught for for a lap. Because because the first stint would be the one where you'd be worried about another car leading it because that would be in the closest somebody's probably been to them all race now the gt uh page uh there's four teams won the grand chalem pretty cool i mean that's a that's a huge accomplishment to lead every lap <laughs> it was a good race uh great event you know i think anyone who participated should be proud uh you were in the largest motorsport event ever probably I definitely want to see that uh, that total count uh, compared to last year. At some point, I may have to just go back and dig it up. So that wraps that, though. How about uh, the poor Super Cup, Brian? Yeah, so uh, this coming Saturday, 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 the Porsche Tag Heuer, Tag Heuer uh, Super Cup Series will Brian's be Brian's taking returning. lessons from Mike. 
yeah, I was I was looking at Mike's face when I was reading this. I was like, man, don't don't say like Mike does. Uh, so Tag <laughs> Tag Hoyer Porsche Super Cup Series returns this Saturday, February the fifth, at the Hockenheim Ring. So uh, all the guys are back for this uh, for what is really the top uh, road course series in iRacing. Uh, they'll be fighting it out for a two hundred thousand dollars prize pool. So some pretty pretty big money involved with that. Um, uh, we do know one thing that there will be a new champion because uh, the champion from last year is not returning. Um, so uh, yeah, so uh, the the, uh, the doors wide open. Uh, my guess is that uh, there's going to be the favorite would probably be uh, what's his name from uh, England? Jeez, I forgot his name. Um, Josh. But uh, no, he's not. He's not running, right? Josh. Josh Rogers, Rogers is the one who's not running. Yeah, he's the one from Coanda, right? And Mitchell DeJong will be gone from it too. Yeah, and he finished second last year. Uh, that would be Sebastian. Uh, Sebastian Job. Job. Yeah, that's it. So, thanks, Mike. So yeah, so. Uh, if you have uh, your um, your notifications on your phone, like I do, um, you'll get a notification when the race is getting ready to start, and I'll, I'll be waiting for that so I can pop over and uh, turn it on, see see how the first season, first week goes. So um, this link has a link to the Porsche website where they have free downloads of high quality, uh, you know, iRacing artwork or whatever you want to call it. You know, pictures of Porsches on track. And there's some keen pictures in there. I was thinking about uh, swiping a few maybe for the website or something. There's also going to be the uh, pre-race race with the, you know, famous streamers and stuff. And I was interacting with Porsche and others on iRacing when um, at Headcase was asking, hey, are you having content creators race before the esports race again? And I piped in, I said, hey, maybe iRacing audio podcasters are contact, content creators, right? Hashtag we want in. So, David, I'm trying to get you a seat in this race. Yes. So I can finish last. It'll be fun, though. <laughs> that would be David. awesome. It'll yeah, be Jimmy Broadbent get, and people like that, yeah. You only get better when you get your butt kicked. Will, Will Ford is in it. He was last year from uh, Boosted Media. Yeah, I'd do it. It'd be fine. Both me and Greg could do it easily. Oh, yeah. Greg, too. Sure. Um, one thing I wanted to point out when I was uh, researching the start okay, of the season. Okay, I'm in the background. Don't worry about me. Nobody has to care about me. I don't show up enough to run it. So, Sorry, so one of the things I noticed when researching this uh, for the new season coming up is, um, you know, they don't race. Uh, they race every couple of weeks. Um, uh, in early March, the track is TBD. To be determined. So, uh, yeah. So oh, they're going to have guess, a vote. I know about yeah. this. They're going to vote. Okay, cool. So they're going to have a vote for that. That's awesome. Like a fan vote thing. Yeah. That's cool. You would hope they do that early so that, you know, whatever the fans decide, you know, these, these drivers have time to work on their setups and practice and stuff. No, I think that's part of it is so the drivers don't get a lot of time to know what track it is. They do it like at the last minute. Like the week of, if I remember, didn't they do this last year? I think they did. I think you're right now that you mentioned it. Adam, what's not working? Has it ever worked? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. For reason 43083, whatever, to not use the iRacing beta user, user interface. 
Uh, Irising posted a tweet recognizing there's a known issue with the UI not allowing races to show up, which is a problem, and directing the user to use the website until the issue is resolved. Or at least they're pointing you back to the website, which I think is better anyway. Yeah, so I noticed this Sunday night when I was racing, uh, I was in a hosted race, and I had heard people saying that they ended up in the hosted race because they couldn't get in in, in any official racing at all. Um, because the the guy who was speaking, he was fairly new, and he didn't know about the website. He only knew of the U- UI. Somebody had told him, hey, go try the website, because the website still worked. So I had jumped out of the car real quick and went and looked, and Sure enough, I mean, you could still get on official on the website, but you couldn't on the on the UI. And so this tweet came out the next morning, uh, Monday morning. I, I don't know when they got it fixed or whatever, but man, I mean, isn't it supposed to be better? And then, Brian, you had that problem, you know, with your SIM hub not working right and different things when you use the UI versus the website. I mean, those little things, I mean, they add up to like, well, why should I use this? Yeah, that's some kind of communication thing where if the beta UI is running, it won't let the sim sim commander. It's it's just a it's just a mess. Um, so yeah, so the beta UI. I, I I know we put this as beta UI. It's not really a beta anymore, supposedly, but um, they're still still working out a lot of kinks. I see. Next up, uh, Nick Nebon posted a video on his YouTube channel. Uh, pretty much criticizing the next-gen car um, with the new package um, on at Kentucky specifically, uh, noting the snappy, loose conditions that uh, prevent my, you know good racing at mile and a half tracks. But basically, he was saying if you if you lose the car at all, or if it just has any kind of yaw in it, the 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 underforce that's under the downforce from underneath the car, you lose it. And then you completely lose the car. There's no save in it kind of thing. So uh, it's very uh, on the edge because of that. And he's saying, you know, I might not even run NIS now, you know, because this, this car sucks. <laughs> you know, he, he was happy to get the power back, but um, you know, after further analysis, uh, he, you know, even though we got power, it, he still thinks it's a crappy car. Um, do you want, what does he want to do? Go back to the 550 package? I mean, seriously, it's a hard to drive. Oh no. All of these guys who've been able to just flat foot it around Vegas, they're going to have to lift their throttle. It's got a smaller right rear side, so you're not going to have as much side force to begin with. Now, on the flip side, during the Coke race, Ray Alfala time champ had been wrecked out and they brought him on like an interview during the race and asked him about the car and he basically said just the opposite this car is freaking awesome i cannot wait for this season it's back in the driver's hands it's hard to drive it's it's right up my alley i've been out to lunch for two years you know with you know, this is going to play into my hands. And so he, his take on it was very positive, you know, that, you know, it's good that it's hard to drive. And, and so, so I guess it's a, you know, two sides of the coin, I guess, which way are you going to look at it? I just think we've been in the old package so long and nobody remembers what it was like 
to race some of these tracks and, and actually have to use the brakes really hard and and drive the car. And like Adam said, there is no panel to the air can go against to uh, uh, to hold the car anymore on that side. So there is no right side force that helps it get in through the corner. You're this car is basically symmetrical on both sides. So there's nothing that changes it when it goes uh, into the corner to, to hold it there. So you're, you got to drive it like a car and a race car. And it, it's just, it's going to be a lot better racing. I feel in the long run, because it's going to bring some of the people that got, you know, I feel like some of us got screwed in some of this racing because people that can just hold it wide open and, and, and bulldoze their way through racing instead of actually having some talent to make some passes. Some of us quit running because of it. Yeah, not just Adam. There's a, there's a lot of people that you see in the B races that are not around anywhere near A Open or or NIS right now. Like I I took the car out just to try a, a, a test session in, at Kentucky with the fix setup uh, in the fix series just today to try test out my monitors and I couldn't believe how how smooth it felt driving it and having to use the brakes and lift in the going into the corner and just kind of set the nose and it just brought me back to a lot of the things we used to do. Yeah. I think it's going to be a good year. Sounds like there's going to be, you know, a learning curve, especially for those who haven't, um, haven't been racing cars that don't aren't as glued to the track quite as much. Um, one of, one of the things Nick, Nick was saying in this video is, is that the way it snaps on you, it, he's not getting any warning before it does it. That was his concern. Well, you know, you uh, get, is you that what no for real in real life? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what the real driver said too. So there you go. All right. it's going to take is you get, you get used to driving it and then, then that'll be the trigger. You'll have eventually adapt to a trigger that tells you it's going to snap or whatever it is. It just takes a while to do it. You'll be it's like, okay, lap 15. You've got to get okay, used to it. This. Or NASCAR, you know, here's the drivers and they make adjustments probably to the driving and steering box and maybe we get some feel into that thing again. You can't go to an 8 to 1 with this thing that I love. Sorry, so go ahead, Adam. Different. You said you can't go to an 8 to 1 steering ratio that I love with this. So it's going to be different. Hey, yeah, you can. You just, the, it goes in the, the opposite direction. Is it's such a different from anything that they've used over the years. They've gone to what I think what sports cars would be using too, right? Or some of this stuff so opinion or something how much feel does some of those get if they were in an oval series compared to just a road series type thing i mean these are these aren't a road car but have like a road front end set up in them with the way they have it you know the control arms now i think well we ran we ran a race monday in the new car at daytona and i got my numbers backwards on the on the pinion setting and for qualifying i cranked it all the way up to like the 3.75 or whatever so that was like running eight to one or six to one all right um but what i noticed when i did that also is that i i oh, oh i can feel the wheel again so i mean i think we might have to not run quite maybe not run quite as low of a pinion number as we as we would in the uh, old car I've heard somebody else say that too. They changed that number and to make the steering feel better. And that's why I would go to eight to one on everything else. So I could actually feel the wheel like 12 to one, 14 to one, whatever. I couldn't feel it. So what else is different on this car, David, on the brakes? 
Well, some people think that the breaking performance is poor, and we got a wall of text on the script here that I'm not going to read, but feel free to go to iRacersLounge.com and check it out for yourself. I'm just going to hit some of the highlights. Some of the things that are going behind the curtain is that uh, this car, the way it's designed, the master cylinders are initially set to be larger than optimum, and that's going to allow you to brake with 100% pedal without locking up. But there's also a heat model now in the brakes. And if your brakes get too hot, they lose efficiency. Um, and so they're basically, as I said, they're, they've got it lined up with what the real drivers are experiencing. And most of the real drivers are saying that the brakes on the Gen 6 were actually too powerful. Yeah, that's probably pretty accurate with those cars because you see some of these guys dive into the corner and not lock it up and get it in there. And there's no way that you'd break that deep with that heavy of a car. So it's good to see that they've gone to this new way of, you know, taking care of your brake temperatures to make sure that you have the optimal performance too, which will be fun. Now I could, I discovered I could drive in a lot deeper at, at Daytona to, to pit. I drove. I, it felt more like driving in a GT than how early you had to get on the brakes in the in the Gen Six. So, I don't know. I think it's just it behaves differently, and people immediately complain about it instead of giving themselves times to just get used to it. So, there's also a comment later in the thread about, "Hey, can we get the option to change the master cylinder sizes in the fixed setup?" And Matt Holden said, "I don't see why not. I'll ask about it." But that's interesting. So maybe what he's saying is instead of the big large one, which, you know, won't let it, won't lock up at all, maybe you can put a smaller one in it, you know, for adjustment. That's good to know that's something we should pay attention to. Sorry, David, go ahead. That's good to know that that's something we should pay attention to when we work on our setup as well. See if we, if we might adjust that if we have trouble breaking. Well, the question is, is it an, is an actual changeable part in real life though too? Like, can, do they change the messenger cylinder sizes in real life, or is it one generic one that they have to use all season? Well, the way I've read this, you can, cha- you can choose it based on the – you can choose it in the garage. But we'll, I'll, I'll load up and right now and check and get back to you as we go on down the script. Yeah, that's the kind of way it reads. Because they, they were asking about adding it to fixed, so you could adjust it even in fixed. Okay, I just that's my ignorance on not knowing what these cars have yet. I haven't I've been so away from it because of the old package. I didn't want to uh dive into learning anything on it yet. Oh, we're here, man. We're we're a couple weeks out. How about some broke ass sim racing, Brian? This is hilarious. Yeah, so uh these were a series of videos on TikTok um from uh Broke ass sim racing. I think it's actually Douglas Thompson is actually the guy's name. So uh, he just, he needed to replace his wheel on his uh, on his rig and decided to uh, use a couple of different non conventional uh, items to turn into steering wheels. So first up was he took some handlebars from a bicycle, uh, like a BMX style handlebars, and mounted that to his rig to uh, to turn the uh, to steer his car. And he decided to go with a uh, an uh, airsoft rifle. So he attached the airsoft rifle and was driving the car with the airsoft rifle. Pretty interesting. <clears throat> then he went the minimalist route and uh, decided to use a television remote 
that he mounted to it and was steering the steering his car with the television remote. And finally, and this is my favorite, is that he used the um, Fanatec uh, CSL DD, the whole thing, and attached it to his other wheelbase and was driving right. his car with the CSL DD. So the DD uh, was the wheel. It wasn't the wheelbase. It was the wheel that, it's, that he was turning. <laughs> he's got a Camus direct drive wheel, one of those new ones, base. And you're saying he's got the CSL DD base attached to where the wheel would be, and he's turning the CSL DD base to turn left and right. There's other videos I didn't put on the script. Uh, this was only a sampling. Uh, one of the other fun ones was a spatula, a really long, uh, you know, barbecue spatula. Uh, he he bolted on to the the quick release and and used that to run a race. And, and of course, he, he shows himself driving it too. And this is uh, some of the best uh, sim racing stuff on TikTok. So go find a and follow Douglas Thompson. Is uh, is that direct drive base broken, or is he just using it? Like, you know, to have money and do things like this, I guess, as jokes or in in ingenious uh, workarounds. But, man, I, I just wouldn't have thought about doing that. Everybody who owns a direct drive that's not a Fanatec direct drive probably doesn't have a good opinion of Fanatec usually. <laughs> like uh, Mr., Mr. Tony Groves, uh, if he's listening, he's probably chuckling. Ah, uh, the old good old fan attack broken pins. Love it. Open okay, what's new, uh, Adam? Uh, iRacing was at Bakersfield, California, which is Kevin Harvick's hometown, and they were scanning the Kern County Raceway that hosts the Wheelin' All-American Short Track Series and the K&N Pro Series West. It also has a one-third clay mile track on the facility, so maybe we'll get an asphalt short track and maybe a short dirt track. Hopefully. Just as I'm getting out of the super late model. <laughs> yes, that's pretty cool. When I was um, I re was researching uh, Kern County Raceway, um, that's one of the things that mentioned on their pages. They don't just have that um, that half mile asphalt track. They have a clay third third of a mile clay track. And uh, while um, they don't give any clues as to whether iRacing was scanning both of them, you know, I thought it would be pretty interesting to have. Uh, a uh, track like this and have a, uh, a secondary option for, for a dirt track as well. It's a good, pretty good look at the scanning equipment, which is on a little platform on top of a SUV. Um, it might even be a rented SUV. I mean, it's hard to tell. I mean, um, but it's interesting and it looks like they just drive around with the scanner thing up on the, on the roof and uh, pretty cool to see how it works. I was going to say it's probably a bigger improvement on their tripod that they used to uh, have to manually move around the track and uh, scan. It's probably just newer technology as they've gone along, right? I believe they actually bought this from uh, somebody in California. I, he I heard it on one of the other racing shows, and I can't remember the details, but they, uh, something along the lines that they actually picked it up from California Speedway or something like something along those lines. Well, if uh, you're you're a racetrack owner out there and you want to get your track scanned into iRacing, uh, here's a tip for you. And this comes from Kearney County's Raceway Parks Facebook page. According to the iRacing, uh, Kevin from the iRacing scanning 
uh, team. He said, uh, Dale Jr. specifically requested that KCRP, Kern County Raceway Park, get scanned because he would like to drive that in a sim. And done. So, yeah. So, if you want to get your racetrack scanned, uh, have Junior want it. And it'll get done. Seems like it. Whatever iRacing Jesus and Redneck Jesus says, we get it. <laughs> Mr. Hall of Famer. Redneck Jesus. Well, I wonder if he's also the one who said, I want an F1 car. Because it's well, a Hall of Fame lap, are we going to consider? So, uh, I guess on the iRacers... Uh, our iRacing uh, Facebook page, or not Facebook, a YouTube page, they posted a lap of the Suzuka circuit in the F1 car for uh, Jarl Tien. And uh, I guess they show the first part of it, they show the in-car view of it, or right over his left shoulder. And then the second time they go through it, it shows the actual outside lap. And watching this lap is, it, that car is right on the edge of, so much but it has so much grip it looks like it, it doesn't look like it's even possible to go around corners that fast but it just the concentration you must have to do these lap times like this is crazy the just especially at suzuka because it's such a flowing track with with pace and 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 the speed he carries through all those corners and makes sure he doesn't even just put a tire too far off and just uses the right amount of curbing uh to set this lap time as is really impressive. Challenge accepted. <laughs> You're going to go for the laptop, Mike? Well, I love stuff like this because, you know, it gives me something to shoot for. I mean, I own this car. I kind of forgot about it already. Um, but, I mean, and I have this track, so maybe I should just see what I, how I stack up to Jarl Tien, you know. And I bet you I'm probably four or five seconds off, but uh, maybe I can whittle it down if I actually do do that thing called practice the lmp ones are actually at this track this week too and um uh, they run about 135 to 138 oh moses <laughs> i was really surprised how how it seemed like a couple times on that lap he would be clipping clipping the grass i mean whenever i clip the grass in that car i am around i mean it could be that green turf that they use they paint the asphalt green i guess it's asphalt could be what he was grabbing onto and that was okay he, he was pushing it right to the limit i mean of where you could go too how about that world of outlaws week 10 yeah so the iRacing nos energy drink world of outlaws sprint car, car series closed out monday this week at the dirt track at charlotte that's been their typical uh, last track of the season ever since i've been watching it so uh coming into this race uh cameron merriman he was holding a 13-point lead over uh, three-time returning champion Alex Bergeron. And uh, James Edens was 19 points back, third in the points. Blake Matujulis? Oh, my gosh. Matujulis. Blake, yeah, that guy. He was fast in qualifying and won heat number one and earned the feature poll. Merriman was second fastest in qualifying, won his heat, and would start on the outside of the front row for the feature. So meanwhile, uh, Alex Bergeron, he did not have a good qualifying effort. He qualified 21st, which is way back when you're trying to win a championship, uh, which put him sixth place in his heat. But um, he managed in his heat, he managed to make his way up to third place. But still, that means you're starting in the fifth row of the feature. That killed him right there. Yeah, that uh, put Merriman in a great position. 
since Bergeron would need to finish at least five spots ahead of him to take the championship. Yeah, so uh, after the flag drop, Maryland, he actually got by Blake Majulis uh, six laps into the race, and he was running the high line and uh, stayed comfortably ahead of the field while Bergeron was charging his way up, managed to get as high as P5. And with the race staying green, the only way he could lose the championship is if he made a major mistake, like, uh, like what happened at Fairbury. But no, Merriman stays clear of lap traffic and takes his only race win of the season and claiming the 2022 championship and the $10,000 prize. I caught the end of this race and, uh, and saw his you know driver interview. A very gracious guy, uh, considering he just won. <laughs> Yeah, very humble, self-deprecating even because, uh, uh, you know, he even referred to that uh, big misstep he had at Fairbury where he, he crashed himself with uh, less than less than two laps to go when he was winning that race. Um, so um, and, and I was I was actually pulling for him, but I was nervous watching him going around the track because I guess this guy going to crash himself you know and and lose his championship but now he uh stayed in control he mentioned that in the um in his post-race interview that he had his uh he didn't want anybody in his ear trying to uh distract him or or give him anything more to think about than just racing so congratulations to uh cameron merriman uh that's his first uh championship obviously um that was the only race he won all year which is uh pretty impressive uh just shows you how how consistent he was all year long. Some of the bigger names did have issues. Uh, um, Alex Bergeron, he had two disconnects uh, during the season. Um, so did uh, James Eden, who finished third in the points. He had a disconnect that really hurt him one week. Um, and then uh, Hayden Corwell just uh, had a couple of races where he just flat out crashed out. So um, he just stayed consistent and, uh, you know, it, his mistakes didn't hurt him. He, con- you know, he, he got back into the swing of things the last couple races, and uh, congratulations, he, he takes that championship. Yeah, well done. Tough break for uh, Alex Bergeron, but uh, man, he he had you know three championships, I think there, and you know, it's tough. He had the two disconnects. You can't come back from that. Yeah, and in my my opinion, Alex Bergeron did not have that dominating speed that we've seen the past couple of years. Um, even even without the disconnects, he he was probably not going to win those races. Alex Bergeron did not win a race all year. Um, his qualifying was not really that great either, and that's that's really what you know. If you don't qualify well and finish well in your heat race, you know you're starting in the middle of the field. It's hard to come up through the field with these top drivers all the time. Uh, you're passing a lot of good drivers to try to try to work your way up from the middle. So. Um, I, I think Alex got a little bit of little bit to work on next year. You know, maybe get a better internet provider that would help. But uh, but yeah, so next year's shaping up to be something that could be really interesting. Hayden Cardwell is always like one of the top uh, dirt drivers. It seems like he's going to be concentrating more on his real life racing uh, coming up next season. So who knows how how much he's going to be able to put into the series? So uh, yeah, looks like uh, next season should be really interesting. All right, we got some cheater updates. The iRacing Easy Anti-Cheat update. Um, Alex Gustafson posted in the forums at the partners at iRacing with 
Easy Anti Cheat recently released a new client side version update that needs to be present in order for you to join races. Many of you have received this update automatically, but if you have been unable to join events lately, there's a few steps that may help solve your problem. So I noticed this because uh, I had it. Windows asked me, you know, permission, yes, no, for administrator install of the EAC. And so everybody should have gotten that and you should have hit yes. If you hit no to that, then you probably aren't able to race until you follow these steps. Yeah, I remember Tyler Williamson, he texted me earlier in the week and uh, asked about this. I was like, yeah, you definitely want to accept that and get it done. You're not going to be able to race if you don't. Apparently, it literally examines your RAM and what's in the RAM running is what it, how it works. I have the next one uh, from one of our favorite guys, Dave Cam, on his YouTube channel. He was shocked that he was getting faster times at Belle Isle with, with just using one foot instead of two feet. Uh, instead of left foot braking, basically. And he checked his telemetry and figured out what he was doing wrong and asked if you have been doing this as well. So the telemetry yeah. was showing, you know, where he would just overlap the brake and throttle just a bit when he was going to hit the brakes. Like he would still be on the throttle just a hair when he would start the brake. And he and, a, and he concluded that that was making him slower when he was when he was doing both at the same time. Yeah, that makes sense because uh, I uh, I specifically avoid that in an LMP, but one because it messes with your charging system if you if you have the brake and the pedal down at the same time. But you just get better weight transfer too if you get if you get completely off the gas and coast a little bit and then let it and then get on the brake. And and I actually learned that when I did the Rusty Wallace driving experience at Memphis, they actually had a different cone for let off the engine and brake. And there was there was no pace car. You actually got to go full th- go full speed around the uh, the Memphis track. I, I wasn't on last week's show, but I, this kind of this kind of fits with what we're talking about here. But David's totally right. If you you're not gaining gaining anything extra for the average sim racer if you're on the throttle and then right off it into the brake, getting into the corner, uh, rather than uh, coasting a couple bit and then getting onto the brake. It doesn't benefit you and you don't get any more lap time. That's for, you know, that's for the hardcore simmers. They can figure out, they figure out how, where the optimal for it is. But when you're just a normal racer like us, the average racer, get off the throttle before you get to the corner, coast to it, and then get on the brake because you save fuel. So if you're in those endurance races, you're, you're using less fuel getting to the corner. You're smoother on the transition, like David said. You get to um, the nose will dip properly instead of you know you don't have one of these weight transfers that are odd, and and it just will increase your lap times. Trust me. I'm not even sure the pros don't do it. Hour race there, I was getting a full lap further than everybody else on our team because of this tactic. By the time I was done a stint, I was doing 24 laps, while the rest of the team was doing doing 23, and then. I was still running faster lap times than everybody. I wasn't slower on the track because of it. I just, you, the last time you're on the throttle, going into that corner, you're saving that distance in, in a run. If if you multiply that up for a full run, that's that that can be a full lap, and that's less fuel you would have to take in a sprint race or the in the endurance race for just an hour long. That means your pit stop's a lot shorter. These things help you get 
better as racing. I, I just think that some people think that you got to get right off the gas and right on the brake, and that's just not how a car work or these racing work. I'm not even sure the pros don't do the same thing. They, there might be a smaller gap, but the car just handles better when you, it's the way it's supposed to work. That's just how the car handles. Uh, it makes the, it's the way that setups are done to transfer the weight. And if you get on the brake while you still have the gas, the weight doesn't transfer properly and you upset the balance of the car. So I watched this video and, and then I went oval racing afterwards. And, and when I was oval racing, I was thinking about what Dave Cam was saying I don't think it supplies the oval racing because there's a lot of times in oval racing, I'm on the back, uh, you know, brake and gas at the same time to kind of settle the car in the corner or to get the car to turn and, well, or, or different tactics. What you're talking about is trail braking, which you you can, you do it in road quite a bit as well. Um, you can do that once you get the car slowed down and you're making the corner at that point, I am gassing and braking together but you're talking I, the initial braking yeah but in the initial braking at ovals like i said at rusty at the rusty wallace racing experience they had a they had a, a coast cone and a brake cone and i use this at almost every place i let off for especially like at pocono i actually let let off at the three cone and brake at the two cone and get a really good entrance let's try this you mean you're going to practice it <laughs> In a race, he's he's he's, he's going to try, try it in a race. race. Like, Would you like to know? Flash next week is when he's going to try it. Would you like to know when he showed up last night for the Winter Series race? Uh, what time is the start at? I can guess the time it, by the way time the start of the race is at. Well, it, it was gritting. I'll put it that way. <laughs> they were gritting when I showed up. Yeah. After a ten-minute qualify and a fifty-minute practice, it, he was he's, it's uh, Miami. <laughs> And I sucked, and I parked it after halfway. <laughs> it's so typical, Mike. If anything, he's he's walking in as the uh, as they're shutting the beer tent down on the halfway through the race. I didn't do much better, and I practiced for a whole hour, but it wasn't really my fault. All right, let's do current events. Adam, you got this one. Tickets available. Oh, tickets available. So the Monday night, the Rowdy Energy Monday night. Racing Pro Series finale presented by Market Rebellion will be brought to you live at the Carolina Esports Hub with the first kind of its event featuring the best real life and sim racers alike. And actually, my buddy Landon Huffman will be at this event live racing, I believe. Nice. And the tickets are $25. Get them while you can. Did, did they announce which drivers are actually going to be at the uh, Esports Hub in Carolina? Is I haven't seen that, no. I'd be curious. It's got to be a pretty big number because the the number one requirement to get into that league is you've got to be involved with the industry. So that means most of them are going to be based in Charlotte area anyway. Let's talk uh, the Bat Bat House, the Bathurst 12 Hours. Well, it's coming up February 11th through the 13th. It's got the same four starting grids that kind of become the iRacing standard. Um, It's all the GT3 class cars, and it's at Mount Panorama. So what's our plan? I'm in. It looks like uh, Kyle and Greg and Adam are going to form a three three team because it's only twelve hours, and I'm going to roll with the crisscross guys that we teamed up with a couple of times times last year. We just need to come up with a car. Uh, we want to race at them. I don't know uh, which one you are. We have I don't five even know what they have for GT3. I own most of them, so it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I don't even know if they have for GT3 cars, but I'll drive any of them. I don't care. <laughs> 
I'll we'll have to I'll have to message Kyle and see what he wants to do. Right, no. I want to get some practice laps in before we <laughs> before we do that. That's <laughs> a week um, away. We got a week it, to practice for it. I mean, we don't we're not going to just come in at uh, gritting like some people. <laughs> it should IMSA should be there the whole week as well, so you can do some practice races. Practice racing. So I didn't get the link on the script, but today iRacing posted a video at Bathurst of after they came down the hill running side by side, somebody got shoved off and launched over that jump. There's a jump there where you can kind of launch over one of the berms. And if you land it right, you can actually land back on the track. And this guy inadvertently got launched over that jump and landed it pretty good. Um, it was a pretty impressive video. It reminded me of a few years ago. I uh, I, I did you know, several cars at that track where I filmed a few jumps, as they call it, to try to land it on the wheels. And uh, uh, deja vu. It was pretty fun. It was a shame he stuck the landing but spun out after it. Right. You got to keep driving, right? Everybody so, take notes. Michael practiced jumping jumps in iRacing. <laughs> Are you a rally car <laughs> driver? I'm just going to stop beating that horse. Wait, now I digress. What's the best jump in iRacing? <laughs> That's a good one. Now, I think the best one is Sonoma, where you go uh, crisscross across the drag strip and then jump over the S's into the crowd. Actually, so when, remember the one I posted? Good one? Remember the one I posted where I was kind of sitting still and suddenly just launched into the air? I think that's the best one where I basically turned into a SpaceX client. If it didn't launch you into the outside of the track and reset you, it would be a kind of a cool one. One more piece of information. There's a lot of uh, balance of power being adjusted to this one because of the altitude. Um, the turbochargers cars they're getting an advantage so m most of the turbocharged cars are getting some power or weight changes what's our goal for this to win top three top five what what's what's our finish and have a good spot mm -hmm. the finish is always the first goal all right uh brian tell us about that podium 500 yeah so uh podium 500 just another reminder it's uh, february 13th you got to visit podium esports.com slash slash podium 500 to register so uh it's always a very highly populated race um you know you have to go through some qualifying uh sessions to get to the main show so uh that's where you go i, I believe there's an entrance fee on that 17 something it's yes. 17.95 or something like that Okay, so uh, yeah, so you have to pay the interest. I might, may or may not be entering it. I'm going to work on my cart that day, so I can't do it. It's the same weekend as the podium, too. Or not the podium, the Bathurst weekend. Prelude to the 500, Greg? Yeah, so the Prelude to the 500 will be on the Saturday, the 19th of February. So a couple weeks away, two weeks away. Um it's going to be at 7 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time, broadcasted on the Full Send uh, network. Um, some payouts, I guess, that they got on it. First, first place is five hundred dollars. Second place is two fifty. Third place is a one fifty. Fourth will be five hundred. Um, there's another couple giveaways, I guess, in it as well. Um, entry fee is, I think that says. So I say $25. It's hard to read it on the screen. I can't read it at all. It's kind of fuzzy on our picture. I think it says $25 there, but uh, 
if you want to uh, sign up, go to uh, sign up on their Discord uh, at discord.gg slash e or capital E, lowercase e, H E N V U F. All right. It's a little difficult to, uh, to do it. Go to our script and get, get the, yeah, uh, go to the script. There. All right. And podcast housekeeping. Uh, don't forget the Aftermath podcast. Um, I think they're due another episode soon, maybe. Not this week, following week. <clears throat> and then uh, don't forget the website. We also have a link on our script to our NFT. If you want to buy it and become the exclusive owner of the iRacers Lounge NFT. Whoever and we have a link to the, Discord. Uh, Facebook page the other day and took a screenshot of it and said, now I own it, is the smartest person ever. <laughs> Yeah, we had some smart guys uh, in the chat, obviously. Uh, pretty funny. Uh, don't forget, we're also on the Performance Motorsports Network. Join the Discord. We need. We would like to see that community start to grow. We've got a few guys that are really active in there now. Uh, come on in there, and you can even see when I'm streaming. Or Kyle, actually. I don't think we have Greg set up yet. I will be set up by the end of the weekend. And I'm thinking we're going to link the... I remember correctly talking to Kyle, we're going to link the Discord into the show here so they can be chatting as well for the show if something can happen, I'm guessing. That's what he wanted to do. That will be cool. <laughs> will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, starting the hardware section, we have a Samsung video or video of the Samsung Odyssey Arc. And uh, this is pretty cool. It's a curved monitor that's about, I guess, if the ratio were 16 to 9, it's got three 16 to 9 windows stacked on top of each other. So it's really tall and kind of curved towards you. You nearly have three different screens running on it as if you had vertical triples. But then you can also rotate it literally spin the monitor and switch the rotation kind of like you would do with a tablet switch it over to landscape mode for gaming see i think this is like a streamer's dream because if you want to just do streaming and have your chat and things going on and you just want to play a single game you have it on the bottom there as a monitor and you can have your other windows above but if you're not streaming and you're just gaming you can turn it to landscape mode and uh go go ahead and have a huge screen to game from now this is just a regular curved monitor with some fancy software and a really nice stand for turning it sideways right well any laptop actually now with windows 10 will you can actually make it rotate like that so it's it's not particularly fancy but it's it's pretty clever i just i don't know if i'd ever want to sacrifice this the size of of having it landscape mode on a game well my initial thought when i don't know who sent this in but I was thinking, how does this apply to iRacing when it's vertical? And and I was thinking, well, what if we had three of them vertical? Boy, you'd have some really nice vertical FOV. But I was just going to say, if you had them the other way, you're going to have like a full surround sound. You would see the dash. I mean, the monitors could almost come down like behind the, the steering wheel base or on either side of it kind of thing you know, where you would see the dash and stuff because you'd have all this vertical FOV. You might have to have more than three across, maybe five across. <laughs> you're, you're you're hoping a video card's got the five. You're going to have oh. to have a 3080 or a 3090 
uh, card just to have five hookups just to do a five monitors. You have to wait for that fifty ninety to come out. <laughs> I just I'm just from my build this week when I plugged in VR three monitors and my streaming thing. I have <laughs> five ports being used off of my thirty eighty Ti. All right, looking at this next thing, Brian, we've got the Grid DDU5 display. Yes, yeah, so this is from Grid Sim Lab, and they uh, have this DDU5. It's a wheel-mounted uh, LCD display. So it's uh, compatible with several of the uh, major um, wheel-based systems. It'll mount on there, and uh, it gives you all the telemetry, and it's got the LED lights for... Uh, I guess you can probably program it however you want, but I, most people use them for for your RPM meter and stuff like that. Um, I know it runs with uh, most of your uh, Race Labs and SimHub uh, software, and it's from Europe, and it's running at four hundred and ninety nine euros. I think this is pretty sweet. A uh, little display to add to uh, any setup you got. It's high end. I mean, it's got that high quality look to it, and and you're spinning for it too. I mean, you look what I ended up with. You know, I have a 3D printed mount that goes over the top of my DD1, and a you know a nice Android smartphone that sits in it. But it compli- it gives me that dash I'm looking for, and it works very well. But it doesn't have the look of this thing, you know, and, and th- this just looks better, you know. Like even like. If you're looking here, you got the different types of because I guess it has different mounts that they've created. So you get you got both Fanatec offerings, the DD and the CSW mounts. They got Sim Magic, AccuForce. Uh, what's the uh, SC1 brand and SC2? I, I'm not sure. SimCube. Oh, is that SimCube? Okay, my bad. Yeah, so that's SimCube stuff. But that's pretty sweet that they've already got all these mounts created for each brand too. Now, looking, now you, they don't really show a good picture of the mount that comes with it, but if you scroll down and look at the uh, thumbnail of the video, you can see that the mount, you know, hooks to the front, uh, you know, le- top left and right bolts of your DD1 or whatever base you have. My concern with this is it covers up the DD1 uh, monitor that is built into the DD1. I think it would be behind that mount and it would cover that up. It also seems really tall, like it really points way up into your center monitor and and goes up higher than maybe it needs to be. Is it just me or does it seem, it's got, it's obviously the lighting on that. It looks like the rim of the thing's lit up, but obviously it looks like the lighting from that thumbnail. They must have a down light on it for video. Yeah. Okay. There's a better, but for a five inch a uh, high quality LCD screen, like it looks very vibrant to look at and can be very, it seems like the detail. I just, I don't know how much I would use, use something like this if I was just running my triples and VR obviously is non-existent for using something like this, but some people really like having these added to their wheelbases. Kind of like that Micron we run on the go-kart or in the Formula V on the sim. It's uh, on your dash. This is that company that's a, a spinoff of Sim Labs. So I think Sim Labs is like a the parent company or something like that. Yeah. So uh, just for uh, clarification, it works with SimHub, J Joel Real Time, and Z One softwares. Go Joel Real Timing. Those are the main three that are used all the time, anyways, right? Race Lab. I think people use that. 
race labs like very i think they're still new to a lot of that that stuff race lab has more overlays for screens than a, a single bezel monitor i think i haven't really seen it used into an lcd screen but that's not to say that it hasn't been used i mean there's just so many i mean i've tried them all pretty much but once you find one you like you just stick with it all right greg have you checked out this uh race sim engineering site well if you just go to their website uh uh, RiseSimEngineering.com. They, they they're a pretty simple site. They only offer a couple things. Uh, so they have old racing clusters. So like a a little button box. They have the sim racing flag display, um, or they have a button box. Uh, and it looks like they're coming up with a bigger display that's coming soon. I don't know if they were ever offered or it's just uh, what it is. But uh, it's good to see some of the stuff that they are they're offering on this website um, for it. Their, their general stuff. So their oval cluster, um, it's two hundred dollars. It's one ninety nine ninety nine. I'm guessing that's American. I can't tell uh, from the site here, but uh, they also have uh, their simple button box. This I don't know. This one seems a little overpriced to me. I don't know. You looking at it, Mike? Here too. This this for 175 box seems it, a little you know, high. It, it does for what you're getting there but it does look like a nice high quality setup i really like the first one you were talking about though that it, you you mount that literally on a, on your wheel and it becomes your push to talk and and other but it's pretty darn bulky i would guess that this is a great addition to add to anybody that just buys the oval an ovals type rim like either like the mpi Big rims or like wheel, NASCAR yeah. one. Use that with it because um, it's it's a great add-on because you don't have button boxes that are real easy to add or even with Fanatec's button or hub, it's not really the easiest thing to reach. Even though that would be functional, Greg, I don't know if it would look good. And I don't know. It's, it's kind of clunky. Yeah, I, would it not offset the weight of your wheel? So say you had it on like the right side of your wheel, it would feel a little bit like you're dragging the wheel sometimes when you're turning. I mean, hover over the picture and they show you an alternate picture that, of it on the wheel. Now, the, the reason I brought this website on the script was really the display that shows out of stock, but it's coming soon. And this is really to kind of compare to the other one that we just saw at 500 euros. Um, from Grid by Sim Labs. Uh, so if you go to risesimengineering.com, they have this SR5 display. Now, this one's only $350, and I actually think this one looks better than the other one. I mean, it's got a little bit of carbon fiber on the front. They got a couple different ver color versions where there's a yellow and there's a black and there's a yellow-black mix, and I, I kind of like that color, but... Uh, it's got the similar, you know, LEDs across the top, uh, you know, display in the middle. Um, nice. The only thing that I, it's obviously could be just a picture. It just seems like the display is a little washed out, doesn't it? Like the brightness is a little high on it, but it could be the picture from it. Could be the picture, yeah, but it's hard to tell. And it looks really thick when you look at the third picture. Uh, that kind of threw me off. Kind of reminds me of people that buy cell phones and then put the... Uh, Monster case. I have an otter box. Well, we're talking boxes, so why don't we talk DSD U box from Derek Spears Design, Adam? So, Derek Spears Design. This actually looks like a pretty nice um, button box from Derek DSD. 
It's a button box and it costs 140 bucks. It's got one, two, three, four, nine, fifteen buttons. Uh, thirteen buttons and two toggle switches. Yeah, it's actually one of those is a funky toggle switch, and one of them is a rotary knob that that's gonna like just have twelve locks, and then those ones in the in the middle just infinitely turn. And it's actually two rows of five on the red buttons. One of them is kind of hidden. It's actually pretty nice. I can I consider that. There's two types of boxes on here. Where's the other? I'm trying to find the other picture of it. Well, there's some different are, colors available. Some are red. Some are black. But there's U box type one and U box type two, and it shows in different amounts of functions with it. So U box one has a total of 36 functions, and U box two has 32 functions. Do you guys consider this? Okay, so for our audio listeners. This ain't no normal button box. The, the, the quality standout here is how thin it is. Super, super thin. And it's got a USB plug on the side of it, but it's like the thinnest button box I've ever seen. Uh, it's about, the, about as thin as an iPhone, maybe a little bit thicker, like a quarter of an iPhone thicker. Like a big iPhone, right. It's basically the size. It's just enough to put a case around the outside of the actual plate or the the microchip board. Yeah, he shows a picture of the uh, circuit board with all the buttons on it, you know. And you're right, the case is just barely big enough to cover it, but it makes it very sleek. Now, when I was building my rig, if this was available, I might have gotten a couple of these instead. I mean, because this this was right up my alley. This would fit right where I, I, have, I actually have a space for that. Do you think this is actually thinner than than the ones that mount to the wheel? Because I'm look; those are really thin as well. It's only a quarter of an inch thick that I'm looking at on my rig well, right now. Yeah, I guess I wonder, you're right. I wonder if something like this will come available with those mounts eventually. Maybe they make a mount with these thin well, designs. Like this is even it's gotten to the point where they're obviously manufacturing their own boards too here because they have the Derek Spears Designs logo on the board. So it's manufactured with this board it's not like just a generic board and they've added to it i mean how do you mount it you look at the back of it it's just a flat back i mean but it's so small i mean you could almost double side tape this somewhere or velcro it or something crazy like that what i did with mine with the uh with my new mount that i have for my rig is i just took the back piece off and drilled holes through and put a bolt through on the inside that would hold it and then, and then put it through onto the rig, and then uh, bolted it to the rig part. That's what I did to it. I mean, so obviously you don't want to. You can take these apart pretty easily and put back together with the way that this board is. It's not going to have any wires that are going to be in it. It's all just a board and, and the face plates, right? I got to say, I'm really happy with the button box I did pick um, from ignitioncontrols.com. Um, I think he was from Poland. Is that right? Yeah, but it's been great and it fits really well and it's pretty narrow it's not as narrow as this but it's metal it's not plastic this is kind of like a a 3d printed look you know plastic look to it um but i've been real happy with what i chose well mike this next one is appropriately assigned to you because this guy has basically decided he's done with triples yeah, Chris Hay Sim Racing posted on his YouTube channel the reasons why he ditched his triple screen setup for a single monitor. 
Uh, most of his reasoning really revol resol uh, revolved around his uh, video capturing and uh, of, of his performances for his YouTube channel um, and budget, you know, because you got to have a, a video card and you got to buy the monitors and space and other things. But um, he said he was constantly bombarded with commenters on his channel asking, why'd you get rid of the triples? And so he decided to do a video to answer the question once and for all. And it was really about his YouTube channel more than anything. Um, but he, you know, he talked a little bit about, you know, racing on the single monitor and some of the differences. Yeah. Kind, uh, of, kind of defeats the purpose of what I just did. If we're talking about this. Right. I, I um, I did uh, watch this video and yeah, most of his reasoning had to do with, you know, he wants like the, the clearest, most uh, high definition video that he can get in the one screen and by stretching across three screens he, he's taking performance hits that he he doesn't want to take when he gets when he, when he wants to do these photo photorealistic type uh, uh replays and motion captures and stuff like that does this have to do with the fact that i don't know does he list in the video i haven't gone through it all does he list his hardware video card and software what like does he have a decent video card to do it is that one of the reasons why well, he can't do it I don't know, but he didn't really mention it on the video, but um, but he did mention that as part of the reason, you know, you are having to fork out for a pretty high-end graphics card to really run triples uh, at, a, at a really good uh, refresh rate and, and with uh, all the settings turned up. So um, that was part of the thing he was saying is, uh, is the investment that it takes to really get, you know, to get it set up with triples and um, to, to the point where he, he wanted it to be. Well, it's the same problem any streamer has who has triples. I mean, how do you present the product on the stream? You know, and so if you look at my stream lately, you know, I'm, I'm actually sending the entire three monitors, you know, as a group onto the stream, covering up the bottom two thirds of the screen, basically. And so that's how I worked around the issue. This guy's like, you know, screw it. I'm, I'm just going to go back to one monitor. I'm not even going to fool with it. I was going to say, you don't really, you know, the, the outside ones, you're not really seeing much in a stream anyways, like much more. So like for me, I'm just streaming the, the center screen because my Elgato box is attached to the center, the center monitor. It becomes a, a duplicate monitor when you attach it. So yeah, that's the other way. I mean, I used I to do know this the center. The, uh, you'd have to have a pretty picky audience if they don't like it. It's more of a preference for the person that's streaming more than the audience probably, right? You only look, when you're racing, you only look out of the front of the car anyways. Do you really care what's really beside the car for the most part? Right. No, I've done it both ways, but you're right. I mean, most people would just do the center monitor and just cut off the left and right. I honestly think, and I've watched enough of David's streams uh, over the years with his VR, VR is the interesting one to watch streaming from because you get the, like, especially with someone David changed from his other one wheel to his direct drive. I could tell the difference of how he's getting thrown around in VR uh, more than with the, with the bouncing and stuff. And it's just kind of a more realistic watch. And you can, you can watch David's head movements and stuff like that too, when he's looking through the corner um, and seeing, it's kind of like seeing the race through his eyes when you're racing that way with VR where, as monitors, you're just getting a, a solid image with the head of the, the, the driver. It's just, you know, the screen's not moving, right? Yeah, and it's, it's 
like when they have NASCAR drivers with helmet cams, you know, you, you actually see what they're looking at, not just uh, what's directly in front of the car, like a roof-mounted camera. Well, I've been running Suzuka this week, and I can't imagine not being able to actually turn my head. And uh, you know, and I, I'm getting away with it more than I would if I had a Hans device on, right? Because when I get around the hairpin, I'm already looking down the straightaway when I'm making the turn. When I, when I start making the turn of the hairpin, I'm already looking down the next straightaway. All right, so we just heard it from David. We got to take a bungee cord, wrap it around his cord, and attach it to both of his ears so that it feels like he has a Hans device on. Got to get the realism with the resistance, right? Well, might as well just go ahead and get that that helmet with the with the force feedback. The one that we think is going to really hurt somebody someday. Yes. Well, we're going to move on. How about this rig review, Brian? What are we looking at here? Yeah, this uh, came in the form of a fairly short um, uh, TikTok video um, from itchy.diz. So, uh, yeah, this is TikTok handle, I guess. So he does a review. He just does a quick scan of his his racing rig. Now, it's an 80-20 composite type uh, system. Um, He's got a a nice computer that's mounted behind the pedals, all these LCD screen, but re- what really set this one apart is that you know it's got uh, it's got a roof. So basically, the eighty twenty runs uh, up over top of him at where he's sitting and behind him, and uh, it has a, a roof covering on it. It's got a covering on the front where, like, if this was a car, where your window windscreen would be, um, windshield would be, and uh, you know. He was even able to attach a window netting on the left-hand side. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I kind of like this. I know I talked to Tyler because that was one of his uh, his goals with his rig is he, he'd like to make it with a roof over top of it so it feels a little bit more like you're climbing into a cockpit. So it's a pretty cool-looking rig. That's what Kinda I was look- saying when I saw this is, man, that roof, man, this is – I'm envious. I mean, this is a cool project. You could add your mood lighting back to that too, right? And get a whole lot more uh, immersive. There's a lot you could do with something like this. Are you still using your track lights that you had set up on the ceiling? They're actually mounted behind the triples now, pointing down. And so they do provide ambient lighting lighting of whatever's on the track. You would have been interesting on the uh, transition from day to night or from day to night or night to day on the 24 hour. Now a couple, David, you, I mean, Brian, you did a great job describing this thing for the audio listeners, but I got to point out that I think the reason it works is it, it really is a formula kind of style setup. I think the pedals are really high, you know, compared to the seating position. He's got this monitor really low and in his face, like really close to the seat. Um, so I don't know if, if those are compromises because of the roof. Um, I imagined trying to build out my cockpit to include something like this. It would have to be way higher than what this guy has um, to, to clear the, the center monitor. My, my monitors are way higher than this guy has his monitors. I don't think that's a formula seat, though. It looks more like it's in a GT position. That's true, but uh, it's hard to tell. The video is so short. Um, But, I mean, if you look closer, I mean, uh, 
the also the computer i got to point out in front of the pedals what a, a neat idea to have the computer kind of sitting like on its side you know pointing you know where the side of it's pointing up and then there's like a glass over the top of it you know across four pillars um it's just a, a really neat place to put the computer yeah and and another thing is uh those pedals are pretty much on the floor of the unit if it was more of a a, a, a formula style those pedals would probably be raised up a lot higher um so i think it was right i think it's closer so it is, to maybe G, it is gt G yeah yeah the um, pedals are almost at your at your head in formula cars right right um and another thing is he he's got four actuators on there so it looks like it's it's got motion with it too yeah this is uh itchy.diz on the TikTok, and he is a good follow for sim racing stuff and he's that this rig is actually in a room with several other really nice cockpits and if you go check his videos you can see him in some of those it's pretty cool well let's jump from actuators to cylinders and talk about the p1 pro cylinders that are leak proof um might as well call this an ad, but it's not because I, these pedals really are awesome. And uh, we've got a recent uh, Instagram post from Sim Coaches, and they've managed to engineer the first purpose-built hydraulic cylinder, cylinders for eye racing or for sim racing. And they've added even more O-rings and tightened the tolerances from other brands to ensure that they are completely leak-proof. Uh, neat little Instagram video. I, I don't know if he's installing it or or testing it with with this setup but it it blitzes through in a little bit of a time-lapse photo and it's got it got it's got all the things we just said in it plus you know all the typical hashtags and we've talked about it before but if you got if you get these sim coach pedals lifetime warranty right yeah um it's cool to see how he's making them you know to see him working on it and and, uh, you know, leak proof is pretty cool. I mean, that's always a concern when you buy hydraulic pedals. Are you going to have to deal with, uh, you know, this this fluid that can be very corrosive and, and dangerous if it's not handled correctly and that kind of stuff? So, yeah, I mean, to, to, to buy a product that you know is, is, you know, lifetime warranty and leak proof, uh, pretty cool. I uh, heard from Lawrence over there at Sim Coaches this week, and uh, we're uh, – Really excited to hopefully uh, continue our partnership with them as we go into season. And uh, and let's go get some wins with some sim coaches, huh? We'll talk about that later. We got time for some more, Greg? Or, Mike, what do you think? One more. All right. So this one's yours, Greg. And this is a formula-style cockpit. This one's giving me wood. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, sorry, I couldn't resist, guys. Um so the, going to uh, race kit simulators uh, dot uh, my shop my shopify .com, you can buy the plans for twenty five dollars to this F one style uh, plywood based uh, sim rig. Um, so you just basically are buying the the plans to show you how to put it together, full size templates, and uh, just to cut it out yourself and what you all need. Um, uh, it's, it's, it looks like a, it kind of reminds me exactly of the shape of a play seat in the F1 style, uh, you know, position, um, looks really cool. I mean, basically just drill patterns with some, uh, I guess not knobs with that for, for adjusting the, uh, 
uh, heights for the the, the pedal deck and the the uh, the wheel deck. Um, and you can it looks like you can even adjust the way the seat sits. So I think it's pretty cool. Um, I don't know how much plywood's entailed into actually doing it's the like whole thing. One I guess piece. it would be nice to you. Know, I think plywood's more than twenty five bucks a sheet right now. Sorry. I think plywood's more than twenty five bucks of sheet right now. Yeah, you're just like buying 80. plans. I'm I'm guessing there's probably you know. So the plans I have I'm on the plans. It would, it would be sixty nine. How much if they would write right here? How many is needed? Just in general, just to give you an idea, right? So you can pr- plan it out. Well, when I went to buy it, it's sixty nine dollars for the digital CNC plans. Okay. And if you click the second picture, it shows uh, everything. Uh, you know, set out on one piece of plywood. And so all the different cutouts you need for the different parts can be done on one piece of plywood. It looks like. That seems kind of highly unlikely, but that's kind of cool. If it's, if that's true, I mean, if that's really true to make it start like a, a solid sheet like that, that'd be pretty cool. But when you look at the finished product, the thing that looks difficult to me is, it's got curves. I mean, there's the wood even bends. I mean, around the back of the the seat. I mean, it's, the wood has a bend to it. I mean, is that easy to do? You have to steam the wood to do that. I was I thinking. I mean, think from that image there, Mike, from the plywood, I don't think that's everything in one image. Oh, too. maybe that's part of it. Yeah, it's just giving you an idea, and it obviously is showing you. Is that what's that third picture here when you do the plans thing? Is that where you got to put like grooves in a in it to try and get the wood to bend? And maybe you got to yeah, thing maybe that's how it ends. Wet wet the wood or something. Get the wood wet <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and make sure you get it it formed in the shape you want it. <laughs> this sounds difficult. I'm, I'm digging myself a hole here, guys. Someone's got to help me out of you this. Digging into something. <laughs> First rule of digging a hole is stop digging. Keep coming. I like, uh, I mean, this is a neat idea. I, I like those, the one Dave Cam had, the, the rock solid rig, you know. He, you buy it, all the pieces are cut out. You just have to put it together, you know. So with this, I mean, you have to go cut the wood yourself. You're just getting the plans, you know. You have to source everything. I'm wondering, does, didn't we have a, another topic Tony built a, a rig this way, didn't he? Out of plywood that he got bought the plans for. Yeah. I think, if I remember correctly, Groves did it uh, with one of the rigs. He he has. Yeah, and it worked out good for him. Uh, it's a that, different style, though, for his. His is a GT, and it looked like I think, if I remember correctly, it kind of more like a toboggan style. I understand. Dave Cam gave away that wood rig um, to one of his listeners in a giveaway because he ended up with the Heiskenveld rig. Must be nice. Good times. All right. That's it for the hardware. Let's talk uh, results and racing. Boy, we're almost the season. You can feel it, guys. So let's go into it. David, you got P1 at Suzuka. Yeah, this one was fun. Um didn't have you know it was all i rating similar to me so i didn't have to race any aliens and it was kind of unusual we were running close at first but i know i i was starting i finally passed the guy that was in second and started to pull away from him as the tires got warmer um then a, a gte 
gets loose beside me um and he he hits me and he ends up hitting me and about five seconds damage it didn't hurt the car except i lost straightaway speed uh but I, I could still keep up with the other guy in the in the corners and i held on for quite a while but he finally got by me right about before it was time to pit um i went ahead and came in as soon as the window opened uh and fixed the five seconds came out and after he pitted he was five seconds in front of me so it basically pretty much balanced out i did catch him but he still had the same he still was good as me on the straights and the only place where i was really dominating his lap time was the s's so i actually had to end up making a pass on the outside of the last s curve and that's that's what i did and i posted the the link of it and actually sent that over to lawrence to maybe get some promotional stuff made from it as well because it was in a sim coach's uh porsche 919 but yeah that was a that was a fun one to have to come back from damage and still take the win well done i mean the video really shows you had the speed on the guy but you still had to get around him and uh wow to to put it on the outside you know you you just wouldn't think you you'd be able to hold it and and make ground uh you did i mean you you obviously uh it stuck and and you were just a bit faster than him went right on by for the win well done next up was fast track uh league uh recruiting event i think it was the final one and it was daytona in the new car we got a tifosi front row uh me and david uh bobby was with us as well and we were looking really good uh, at the beginning of this race we ran up front i pushed you you pushed me bobby was right there with us uh he caught up he finally got up there with us and eventually uh i ended up getting hooked while pushing david somebody behind me hooked me took out both me and bobby and we got wrecked out yep and i managed to stay in the top four probably for the rest of the race i took the lead uh on the second to last restart i actually started right outside pajari and just uh i got a good start and got around him then there was a big wreck that took out pajari and the whole rest of the field and on the, the final restart there was just too few cars to line up uh to get the second line going so we were coming to the we're on the white flag and i noticed the second place car was trying to lay back so i actually let off the gas a little bit too and kind of it kind of took the steam out of his run um and took the win well done and i was watching uh, spotting because i had wrecked out and and you know you you did that without you know me saying anything but i saw you doing it and it is so hard mentally to be in the lead you're coming to the checker to let off the gas it's like it's so opposite of your you know normal reaction of how to how to win races and but you did it and it worked you can't do it if that second row is there either so it's just because the the second row was about six or seven car lengths back and wasn't contending but uh, initially, we, we're looking good. I mean, we had good qualifying run. You, you got you got the pole. You got the win. I mean, how do you feel about our set so far? Uh, you know that we've worked on and, and uh, our chances going forward here. Well, I was pretty surprised to get the pole because I'm not usually historically known as a good qualifier, and I'm curious if I should try to do the keep the. Uh, opinion setting that i ran because i ran it with the wheel super super too sensitive right i had it traveling as fast as it would travel on the wheel or on the turning the wheels as fast as possible and so that made me be super super subtle with the movements and and 
you know, so I don't know if I should continue to test out and see if that actually works better or not. All right, Ransom hosted uh, Supercars at Michigan, uh, hosted up by Chris McGuire. I ended up wrecking, uh, getting on the pit road. Um, that was a bummer. Tried many carb cups at Daytona, trying to get some practice and, you know, practice races. But the problem is I'm getting wrecked out early in every single one of these. I can't even get a finish. And so uh, it's been real bad. Uh, Winter League. This was the flip side of Forrest compared to the, to the Daytona race. Well, Winter League is uh, our last race in the Gen 6 at Homestead. I showed up um, and on the grid, ran about two-thirds of the race. It was just slow and bored and tired, and so I just parked it. Um, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling competitive. Um, you know, I was kind of racing for last place with two or three guys and getting tired of that. <laughs> And I also ended up rigged out, uh, not of my own doing. Somebody came up as we were exiting the turn, just a little hard, and put me into the wall. And I, uh, I sacrificed the car instead of letting it bounce off to kind of keep from taking everybody else out, and ended up with about three minutes of optional damage. And there was no cautions from that point on. Um, finally, after being two laps down, and uh, just continued to try to tough it out and see if anybody wrecked out. It snapped loose on me, and, and I overcorrected and put it hard in the wall again. At that point, I went ahead and pulled it in and gave it up. And I thought I thought I was really dejected because I thought I was going to lose. I was in a three-way tie for seventh, and I thought I was going to drop all the way back to tenth or out of the out of the top ten in the points. But apparently, the drop week was not being applied yet, so it had not subtracted anybody's races. And so I only fell to eighth. So uh, um, decent. Last year, fifth. This year, eighth. Uh, it's consistency, especially considering how rough the start of the season went. Yep. And it, boy, the car was tough to drive, too. I mean, it was, there were people spinning out um, at the beginning of the run, and it was tough. Um, this, was anyway. not, this was not a fixed setup that Alan put his set in. Oh, I see. I tried some Xfinity races at Chicago this week, just getting back into the swing of things. Um, not a great finish. I sped on pit road yesterday, or the day before, finished like 24th, and then today I got some damage and wasn't paying attention under caution and got lapped again. Just 24. I was running top five, top ten, both races before that happened, so just got to clean it up and get it, get the finishes I need. Nice. Uh, one more thing on Winter League. I think Adam de Blasio wins the championship, and uh, apparently I won a hat. Um, uh, I heard on Facebook, um, so I'm happy to have the hat. Hey, they give five hats to people who made every race. Bingo! There we go. Even if they gridded as they got, <laughs> I barely made every race. All right, Saturday I did make the Sim 500 Esports Racing League in the 87 car at Charlotte P17. I hit the wall hard three times and through the grass once. It was enough to lose my track position to the back, but I did gain back a few spots through attrition. There was a green flag stop at halfway and then caution right after, but me and others down a lap fighting for that lucky dog. I held it for the first part of the run, that lucky dog, but lost it eventually because we never did catch that next caution. Great league on a late Saturday night, guys. Let's talk OBRL, Aftermath, Truck Series, it was Dwayne MacArthur for the win at Michigan. Tom Ogle second, Josh Robinson third. And I guess that's it. So we'll go to final thoughts. Adam Jocelyn. I'm just looking forward to 
NIS this year, and we got you guys on a champ cart for this year, and they're going to run around 40 races and do some tour races. So get the get the logo out this year on a real race car. All right. We appreciate you carrying the colors and showing them proud. Brian McCubbin, final thoughts. Uh, a couple of things I want to touch real quick. Um, f- uh, first of all, I'm still finishing uh, finish up building my computer, so I didn't have any results this week. So uh, I'm almost there. Um, next thing I wanted to talk about is uh, fantasy. Uh, it's almost fantasy. So I uh, talked to Tony uh, Tony Groves a little while ago, um, and uh, we're going to be gearing up for that. Uh, next week, we're going to have some more information about how to get signed up and get ready to uh, put in your, panis- your fantasy team for the uh, Irish's Lounge League. Um, so that's another thing. And then uh, my last uh, thing is I-, I need like a spreadsheet and figure out what I'm going to be doing this season. There's so many good league options. Of course, there's always NIS. Um, I-, I think I'm going to do, I'm going to be favoring the NIS uh, open this year, as opposed to the uh, fixed uh, that I did last year um, part in part. Um, but uh, I just found out that uh, the Get It Done League is going to be racing a Sunday morning truck series, which mirrors the the actual truck series exactly, race links and everything. So that's a that's a pretty intriguing uh, deal there. Um, and then OBRL Sunday morning as well with their uh, Metro Ford League, uh, which is a you know really prestigious uh, uh, racing league. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. I, I got so many options. My head are spinning. The calm before the storm. It, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, my schedule's full. I mean, you got Monday night, we're going to have fast track racing. Tuesday night, we're going to have the Coke race every, you know, every other week. So I got to keep that open for to watch that because we're going to hopefully plan on having Evan back uh, to review those on the show and then thursday night i got the man cave after dark after we record the podcast saturday night i got that sim 500 all the other nights wednesday friday sunday i'm going to be running nis all right greg hectus final thoughts uh looking forward to uh finally racing in my new rig uh coming up this weekend and in the next week i guess uh what monday night i get to run the uh clash for the fast track, uh, start off with that. Um, it's been uh, it's been a trying week with the uh, setting up this rig. Last week, I didn't get to the show last week because of it. Um, having the studio pushed out of the way so that I could build it in the room here, and uh, waiting on took me a couple days because I was waiting on a different uh, attachment for uh, r- hooking up my. Uh, HDMI cables into the back of the monitors because for some reason the bright idea of Samsung to put on these monitors was the where the mount is for the bracket they put the HDMI cables right below it so it goes right into the bar <laughs> for the uh, thing coming straight out of the back of the monitor so I had to buy some 90 degree uh, add-ons to fit to get it to turn around the bar and I uh, was able to get that to work, but uh, it took me three different tries to order these things to get the right ones to be sent to me. So by the time I got that going, it, by, it got to the end of this week. So um, I got it all set up. It's been a little bit trying with it, but uh, we'll make it work. And uh, I look forward to uh, running triples when I want and VR when I want. And I should be back up and streaming by next week, I'm hoping. Uh, I'm not going to 
guarantee it, but I, I'm hoping. And uh, back racing uh, for the 2022 NIS season is coming up, and I'm pretty excited because I like this car now with the fact that you got to drive it. What a horrible, horrible, horrible design when they, they run the HDMI out the back of the monitor where you're supposed to mount the stupid thing. I mean, come on. I mean, when I went and bought my monitors, uh, that was key to make sure that the, the HDMI came down out the bottom of the monitor. So, you know, it could be mounted or that kind of thing. And and when I was looking for monitors, a lot of them were like Greg's where they came straight out the back, like right where you would put the the visa plate, you know, it's just stupid. Yeah. It just doesn't, it, it's not a very, you know, most people either put them up against a wall anyways, right? Like if you have a, a right. desk, it's going to be up against a wall. So you're still going to have a, like in, in, in most HDMI co- cords, the, the end plate for it is, is a decent size. It's not like a sh- you can, you really can't buy them in a shorter like headpiece so that it does, you know, to try and fit them in these areas. The only way you can do it is to get a, uh, uh, either an angle thing. So I bought these 90 degree angles, but even then, you know, it's kind of risky when you start adding attachments into a cord because you don't know if it's, you know, just it's going to take away from the image of quality eventually down the road too, right? Now, also, Greg, before, if you were on the pre-show, you, you might have seen Florida Lease, you know, in the rig. I think she was driving, your rig and, and so are you concerned that she's going to need her own rig or she wanted to try it because normally she can't run the vr she was uh she was she was doing i don't think we have to worry about it she was uh she was running the lmp2 car at daytona because i had it set in the test room there and uh she, she was she was already up to sixth gear before she got out to, out of pit road and uh maybe going 80 kilometers an hour she wasn't uh she wasn't driving uh, it very fast, and she was getting her. I kind of had it on the stream here. I recorded it on um, on my computer, but uh, watching the uh, pedal movement is uh, is quite interesting. But she's never raced the sim. She doesn't like video games. She doesn't like any of that stuff. So I don't I don't anticipate having to worry about it. I just bought her one of those Cricut craft printers, so I I won't see her for uh, racing needing a racing rig. She'll be she loves her crafts. Yeah, I think Kathy wants one of those cricket things too. Okay, David Hall, final thoughts. Well, I finally have the PC, the streaming PC working fully. Uh, the first couple of times I ran it, it it would crash, but that seemed to be related to desk uh, remote desktop because every time I've run it now, it runs good. I've added, I've got all the overlays working the way I want, and uh, it's been nice to be able to stream and not have it affect the the PC's performance. And uh, I need viewers. I, I'm getting tired of having two viewers per stream. Uh, so come on there. Come on and watch, guys. Uh, follow me at twitch.tv slash mixmage. And I'm definitely looking forward to the new package. Uh, I was pretty successful with with the, the old or the, the Gen 6 when they changed it. But at the same time, I would get so frustrated at some of the uh, the plate or not the plate tracks but the the mile and a halfs where i i used to dominate because i wouldn't wear my tires out and it just didn't seem to make as big of a difference uh, as it used to so i'm 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 looking forward to it and we'll we'll see how it goes okay very good yeah get on the stream and uh, give us some support i'll be streaming too uh the nis season and 
Greg and others as well. So you can see all of it at Facebook at Tifosi Racing. Uh, my final thoughts, a uh, couple times I've gotten up from the rig and I hear that dreaded USB disconnect sound that David has been so frustrated with. And I don't know what's making the noise, I don't know, but so far nothing that you know has been affected that I can tell, but it certainly is uh, a concern and I don't know what to do about it. Uh, other than that, um, you know, I, I broke out the labels for my button box finally. You know, I, I, I never did put the labels on them uh, because I wanted to make sure I had the right mapping and I didn't want to move buttons around and, you know, because once you put a sticker on it, it's pretty permanent. So uh, I started doing it the other day uh, and I had to cut them out and then you have to peel the little back off and you have to put it on straight. So it's quite a little project. Um, I only did about maybe not even half of them, but I really like the look of them. It looks really good. I think I'm going to finish that maybe tonight. And, uh, and yeah, so that's what's going on with me. And so with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.